The scripture reading this evening is taken from 1 Peter chapter 3, the verses 13 to 22. 1 Peter chapter 3, verses 13 to 22, page 1295 and 96 in your Bibles. Listen to the word of the Lord. Now who is there to harm you if you are zealous for what is good? But even if you should suffer for righteousness' sake, you will be blessed. Have no fear of them, nor be troubled. But in your hearts honor Christ the Lord as holy. Always be prepared to make a defense to anyone who asks you for a reason for the hope that you that is in you. But yet do it with gentleness and respect, having a good conscience, so that when you are slandered, Those who revile your good behavior in Christ may be put to shame. For it is better to suffer for being good, if that should be God's will, than for doing evil. For Christ also suffered once for sin, the righteous for the unrighteous, that he might bring us to God, being put to death in the flesh, but made alive in the spirit, in which he went and proclaimed to the spirits in prison, Because they formerly did not obey when God's patience waited in the days of Noah while the ark was being prepared, in which a few, that is eight persons, were brought safely through the water. Baptism, which corresponds to this, now saves you, not as a removal of dirt from the body, but as an appeal to God for a good conscience. Through the resurrection of Jesus Christ, who has gone into heaven and is at the right hand of God with angels, authorities, and powers being subject to him. And I'd also like to uh, note with you the teachings of the Heidelberg Catechism in your bulletin, Lord's Day 16. Why did Jesus have to suffer death? And the answer is because the righteousness of God and the truth of God are such that nothing else could make reparation, that is, payment, for our sin except the death of the Son of God. Why was he buried? The answer is to confirm the fact that he was really dead. Then the question, since then Christ died for us, why must we also die? And the answer is, our death is not a reparation or a payment for our sins, but only a dying to sin and an entering into eternal life. What benefit further do we receive from the sacrifice and death of Christ on the cross? The answer is that by his power, our old self is crucified, put to death, and buried with him, so that the evil passions of our mortal bodies may reign in us no more, but that we may offer ourselves to him as a sacrifice of thanksgiving. Why is there added he descended into hell? The answer is, is that in my severest tribulations, I may be assured that Christ my Lord has redeemed me from hellish anxieties and torment by the unspeakable anguish, pains, and terrors which he suffered in his soul, both on the cross 
and before. Before we open these marvelous truths, let us seek his guidance and prayer. Our Father which art in heaven, as we contemplate the death of our Lord Jesus Christ on the cross for us, we pray, Lord, that our minds and our hearts may truly be filled with gratitude for such a great salvation. Lead us now, Lord, in your truth. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. The cross of Christ is the very center of the Christian religion. The symbol of the cross identifies us as those who belong to Jesus Christ. We are not our own. We belong to him. Why was his death necessary? That's the question that we ask, that we're asked today, tonight. Why was his death necessary? Wouldn't there be another way? Why was it necessary? And the answer is, which scripture gives us, the teachings of the Old Testament, the teachings of the New Testament, the teachings of the apostles and prophets all tell us that the necessity of the cross of Jesus Christ was the justice and the faithfulness of God. The justice of God required that the soul that sins must die. God laid it out in the creation when he said to Adam and Eve, of all the trees you may freely eat, but if, but the tree that is in the midst of the garden you shall not eat of it. For in the day thou eatest thereof thou shalt surely die. Sin has a consequence. And the consequence of sin is death. It's a terrible thing, but sin is terrible. We read in Romans 6.23, the wages of sin is death. But the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. The wages of sin is death. The wages are, are received because we deserve them. We deserve them. The death of Christ was necessary because the justice of God required that the soul that sins must die. That's the payment for sin. I mean, it's terrible. But sin is terrible. And a just and a righteous God must punish sin. The justice of man in the courts of our country also must punish sin. If a judge says, well, let's just, let's just forget this. Are you sorry? Yes. So we're not going to punish you. That would be a terrible judge. If a person committed terrible sin and then got away with it, where is justice? It's not there. Justice requires that sin be punished. And it is because God is a true and righteous God God is a just God. Sin must be punished. We don't like that. 
It is, con- it is contrary to our, our own nature to punish sin. We'd much rather let, let them get away with it. But no, that is not the way it is. And it's a good thing. Justice is the foundation of God's throne. He must punish sin. And the laws of the land and the judges of the land represent the justice of God. You read in Romans 13 that every power on earth is ordained of God. And they receive the sword not in vain. Why the sword? Well, the sword is to punish sin, punish wrong. That is the principle upon which this entire creation rests. The principle of justice. Now, the glorious news is this. That God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believes in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Where is justice there? It is not executed on us who believe in the Lord Jesus Christ. We are forgiven and only through the grace of God, only through the love of God, only because... The justice of God was satisfied in the death of his only begotten son. God sent Jesus into this world and he knew no sin. He was perfect. There was no unrighteousness in him. There was no guile in him. There was no deception in him. It was, he was perfect in thought and word and deed. Him who knew no sin. You read in 2 Corinthians 5.21. Him who knew no sin. God made him to be sin on our account. Now that's what God did. The just God. Who must punish sin. He sent his only begotten son into the world And he laid our sin upon him. The justice of God required that the Son of God pay for sin. Why did Jesus have to be God? He had to be God to reveal God. He had to be God to unite us to God. And he had to be God so that he could bear The awful wrath of God against our sin. Only God could do that. And Jesus Christ, the second person of the Holy Trinity, was sent into this world and God laid upon him the iniquity of us all. It was the justice of God that required it. Not only the justice of God, but also the faithfulness or the truth of God required it. God is faithful. He is true. And he promised it. He promised it throughout the Old Testament. Every sacrifice of 
the Old Testament worship, the sacrifice of lambs and other animals. It all pictured the great sacrifice that was to come. In the Old Testament ritual, the priest laid, so to speak, the sin of the people on the head of the scapegoat and transferred the sin of the people onto that goat. And the goat was, there were two. One goat was slain for the sin of the people. And then the other goat was sent off into the wilderness, never to be seen again. And it was a picture of the fact that our sin, paid for by the death of Christ, was sent away that we don't see it again. We're forgiven. It is a marvelous thing. It is almost too good to be true, but the beauty of it is it is true. That God forgives our sin because it was paid for through the death of our Lord Jesus Christ upon the cross. So the love of God, the justice of God, the faithfulness and truth of God all required that sin must be paid for and it could only be paid for by the death of of the Son of God. That's how. And that's the only way. There is no other, as we sing in that song, there's a green hill far away, there was no other good enough to pay the price of sin. He only could unlock the gate of heaven and let us in. Oh, truly, truly has He loved, and we must love Him too. And strive with all our heart to do His will. It's paid for. And that is found in that beautiful word justified. It's just as if we had done it ourselves. It was paid for. Completely. Jesus said it is finished. Nothing Either great or small, nothing, sinner, no. Jesus did it. Did it all. Long, long ago. When he from his lofty throne stooped to do and die. Everything was fully done. Hearken to his cry. It is finished, yes indeed. Finished every jot. Sinner, this is all you need. Tell me, is it not? Weary working, burdened one, wherefore toil you so? Cease your doing all was done long, long ago, till to Jesus' work you clegg. With a simple faith. Doing is a deadly thing. Doing ends in death. Cast your deadly doing down, down at Jesus' feet. Stand in Him. In Him alone. 
gloriously complete. Just as I am, without one plea, but that thy blood was shed for me, and since thou bidst me come to thee, O Lamb of God, I come, I come. Do you believe that? Is that your confidence? Is that your assurance? That's why we can say, I belong to him. Because he paid the price. He set us free. And he takes us as his own. That is the only comfort in life and in death. There is no other. This is the gospel. And whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It's for everyone. Jesus said, go into all the world and tell this story. Tell this message. For everyone, young and old, no matter what kind of culture you have, no matter what color you are, no matter what language you speak, this gospel is for you. Christ came for you and me. What a marvelous truth this is. He died. But not only did he die, he was buried. Why was Jesus buried? He was buried to show that he truly died. He didn't just become unconscious and then in the coolness of the tomb revived. No, no, no. Jesus died. He died the just for the unjust that he might bring us to God. The death of Christ was very necessary. He died upon the cross. It was witnessed by many. And he was buried to prove that he really died. But now, the question comes, if he died for us, Why must we also die? Why must we die? If he paid the price of sin, if he paid the price of death with his death, why must we also die? All of us have experienced friends or family who have died. They're Christians, they love the Lord. And yet they died. If Jesus paid for our death, why should we have to die? That's that's a question that is asked by the Heidelberg Catechism. Why do we die then? And the answer is this. Our death is not a payment for sin. Our death is not a payment for sin, but only a dying to sin and an entering into eternal life. So our death is unique. It's different. Our death is not a payment for sin. Our death is dying to sin. And it is an entrance into life eternal. The death of a child of God What is that? You've seen your loved ones die, no doubt. I saw my loved ones die. And I knew, I knew 
that they had a living hope, a living assurance that they were not their own, but they belonged to Jesus and that they were going to heaven. They knew they were. What a wonderful, wonderful thing that is. Now, how can we know that? How can we know? We've never seen heaven. We've never seen heaven. It's an article of faith. And Paul says we walk by faith and not by sight. When you go to a funeral, if you only lived by sight, what you would see are beautiful flowers. You would see a casket. You would see grieving relatives. There's no comfort there. Oh, we seek to comfort the sorrowing. We tell them that we want to express our sympathy to them and our condolences to them and the death of their loved one. But we don't walk by sight. There's so much more going on that we don't see. And what is going on is that God is involved in the death of his children. The death of a child of God is a translation. The only way in which we can leave this life and go to the life that is beyond is through death. There were a few in the history of the world that did not see death. Enoch was one. He walked with God and he was not for God took him. But that was a very rare occurrence. And Elijah, he was a prophet of God and the power of God and the chariots of God came down and took him and he didn't go through death. But we don't know of anyone else. So death is common. Death is common. Everyone has to face it. You probably have already purchased burial plots. If you didn't, someday you will. You will buy a burial plot for yourself and your wife or your family. We can't avoid it. Death is common to everyone. But for the child of God, death is a translation. A translation. It's a change of residence. And the Apostle Paul had a unique experience with Jesus. After he was converted, he went down to Arabia. And he had a personal encounter with Jesus Christ. And he describes it in his writing to the Corinthians. And he says, I know a man. And it was himself. He says, this is in 2 Corinthians chapter chapter 12. He said, I know a man in Christ who 14 years ago was caught up to the third heaven. 
Whether in the body or out of the body, I do not know. God knows. But I know that this man was caught up into paradise. God knows. And he heard things that cannot be told, which man may not utter. On behalf of this man, I will boast. But on my own behalf, I will not boast. And he said, Satan, in order to harass me, from becoming conceited, sent me a mess. I had a messenger in the flesh, and three times I pleaded with the Lord about this, that it should leave me. But He said to me, "My grace is sufficient." When Paul encountered that experience, and he was lifted up to the third heavens, and he saw things that he could not describe, he saw paradise. Paradise is a real place. It's a real place. It's where Jesus ascended to. Where he is seated at the right hand of God. Where Jesus said to the thief on the cross, Today, verily I say to you, you will be with me in paradise. That's a real place. The Apostle Paul, again in 2 Corinthians chapter 5, he says something so very beautiful. And he begins with these words, For we know, we know, is not something we guess at. This is not a projection of the human will or the human spirit or the human desire. No, no, no. This we know. That if the tent we live in is destroyed, this earthly house is called a tent. John Calvin calls it a little hut. Our bodies are a little hut. When this earthly hut this body is destroyed and dies, immediately, immediately, we have, and that's in the present tense, which means it's immediate, and it's a present reality. We have not a tent, but a building from God, a house not made with hands, Eternal in the heavens. That's what we have. It's awaiting us. Jesus said this to his disciples in John 14. He says, let not your hearts be troubled. That is, don't worry. Don't worry. Don't worry about this. Don't worry about what's going to happen later on. Don't worry. Let not your hearts be troubled. You believe in God, don't you? Believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions, many rooms. And I go to prepare a place for you that where I am, there you may be also. And you know the way to this home that I'm going to. 
And Thomas blurted out and said, Lord, we don't know where you're going, and so how can we know the way? Jesus said, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. At the moment of death, the child of God is translated from the tent the little hut that he lived in, which is his body, and it can be racked with cancer. It can be beaten with disease. Or as the pastor who preached here last Sunday night, when he was in South Africa, his car was carjacked, And the criminals who did that fired five shots at him. And four of them went through his body and never hit a vital organ. And one was lodged in his Bible that was in his vest pocket. And he was taken to the hospital. And he survived And he preached last Sunday night about the only comfort in life and death. And he came very close to death. But he had that comfort and God spared him that he could tell us about it. And that he could teach others about it. He teaches in Yale University and in the Puritan Seminary. Yes, our body can go through all kinds of terror and trouble and disease. But when our hut is finally destroyed, we have a building. We have a building from God not made with human hands. Eternal in the heavens. And we know that. It's not a guess. It's not a it's not a a wish it's a reality and it's immediate we have a building awaiting us that when the hour of death comes we will be immediately translated and moved from what one residence of this little hut To the building of God not made with hands. Now do you know that? Is this your conviction? Are you sure? Do you know that your name is written in the book of life? Do you know that your hope and your confidence and your assurance is built on only one thing and that is the finished work of Jesus Christ? His work atones for me. I know whom I have believed. And I am assured and I am convicted that he will give to me what he has promised. We stand upon the promises of God. We stand upon the reality of the death of Christ and his glorious resurrection. It is ours No wonder we can sing what language can I borrow 
to thank thee, dearest friend, for this thy dying sorrow, thy pity without end. Oh, make me thine forever. And should I fainting be, Lord, let me never, never, never outlive my love for thee. This is what it's all about. This is what this church stands for. This is what the Bible tells us. We know that we are not our own, but belong to Jesus Christ, body and soul. And so the death of the child of God is something which is a joyous translation from this life to the next. Yes, there's sorrow. Parting is is hard. It's very hard to say goodbye to your loved ones. It's very hard to do that. But do you know what the Apostle Paul says? Christ died for us, and so the grave has lost its sting. The grave has lost its sting. The sting of death is sin, and the power of sin is the law, but thanks be to God. That he has given us victory through the final work of Christ upon the cross. The death of Jesus is our assurance and the foundation, the rock solid foundation of our faith. In Psalm 17, the last part of that psalm, is what it says. When I in righteousness at last... Thy glorious face shall see. And all this weary night is past. And I awake with thee to view the glories that abide. Then, then will I be satisfied. That's the hope and confidence and future of the child of God. And oh, may each of us have that deeply in our hearts that we have this only, only comfort. And everyone said, Dear Lord in heaven, would I survey the wondrous cross on which the Prince of Glory died? My richest gain I count but loss and poor contempt on all my pride. Were the whole realm of nature mine that were a present far too small. O Lord, your gift of life eternal is worth it all. Bless us this night. Keep us, O Lord, in the hollow of thy hand. May we say with the Apostle Paul for me to live is Christ to die, is gain. In Jesus' name, amen.